Jumping into week four of our series called Breakout. This is our fourth week of it. And uh, the first week we preached on we need to see a breakout uh, in prayer. Uh, People coming back to the heart of praying and seeking the Father first and putting him first. You know, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father reveals it. I don't want to make moves unless I've talked to the Lord about it and gotten uh, direction from him. And so we talked on prayer. And then the second week we talked about breaking out of the comparison trap. So many of us are living our lives measured up against other people's lives. And the problem with that is on social media, people just post their highlight reel. And in our lives, we see the behind the scenes, ugliness, the mess, the the chaos. And and so we can't compare ourselves to everybody's highlight reel. That's not real living. And so that was week two. And then last week we preached on uh, we need to see a breakout in humility. Uh, The scripture says that um, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Uh, I believe that it's important for us to tell the truth and say things straight up. But I think we need to do that with a level of humility as God is using us. Amen. And so that was last week. And then today I want to talk to you about breaking out of the mentality. We just have this culture that has sort of fallen into this just meh, meh. Mentality, And it's really been something that's been spreading over time. And I'm not going to blame any particular generation, millennials or anything like that, <laughs> Gen Z. But, um, but, but I think it's something if we're not careful, it can get on all of us. And so we're going to hit that today. And then next week, uh, Doug, our tech director, he's going to be bringing it home. He's got a message on his heart that you're going to want to hear. He's been forming and shaping that for quite a while now. And you'll get to check that out next week. So let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your way. Lord, I ask that you help me communicate this sermon in a way that brings you glory, but also, Lord, that it edifies and it builds us up, Lord, and it helps us be uh, the people that you've called us to. Lord, even if your word is presented and it brings correction, Lord, we invite that today. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. you know, the scripture says these things uh, about the end times. There's a whole bunch of things about the end times, and you got to unravel them and discover them and interpret them. There's all these things. And scripture talks about one thing it says is it says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And you were once passionate about something. You were once, you know, loving. And, and, and many of us interpret that as like in the last days, we're going to have a lot of unloving people. And that's true. I think we even see that in some of the actions that are taken against each other, uh, you know, whether it be racially or just the way that we step on each other to get ahead and things like that. The love will grow cold. But I also think it means in the way that we pursue uh, our Lord and Savior and his kingdom and, and the things that he's doing in our lives. I think as we get busy and distracted and try to keep up, I believe that just the pressures and the distractions and the mentalities of our culture are going to cause many to just grow cold. They're going to fall into that meh. That's why Revelation gives that warning of like, hey, you need to be careful because you either need to be warm or you need to be cold. But God says, I can't do lukewarm. The scripture says that, that literally I'll spit you from my mouth. I can't tolerate that. I can't stomach that. I can't, I can't have this lukewarm and this, this down the middle thing. And so when the scripture talks about, you got to be careful that you're not somebody who, who grows cold. That then means you got to look at, all right, how do I keep this thing stoked and fired and, and, and you know, purposeful? So there's this, this guarding that we need to do as believers. And um, my mentor, uh, who I had a great opportunity to travel with for several years, he was my youth pastor when I came up through the, my teenage years. And 
The Lord used him mightily in great ways. As a matter of fact, John Maxwell voted him uh, one of the top 10 up and coming leaders um, as he kind of went through his group. And so the Lord used him in a way that he began to travel all over the country and was at all these large and small and different sized churches and just ministering all throughout the year. Well, he believed in accountability and having people with you. You know, when you travel like that, that's an honor and that's a thing to steward. And so it's important for you to have accountability. So he would bring me along and, and I would be with him. And while we were with him, he's teaching me and discipling me and, and encouraging me and raising me up. And so there'd be times we'd be flying or driving or whatever, and we'd be praying, but we'd also be writing sermons and he'd be teaching me how to write sermons. And um, I remember there'd be times where he, you know, taught the importance of being spirit led, letting God use you in ministry, letting God, you know, staying flexible and listening to the spirit. So there'd be times where we'd be on a plane and we'd be, you know, writing a sermon and he'd be telling me about it and putting it all together. But then we'd get into service and he'd tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, go back to the office or go back to the green room and, and get my bag and get my sermons. Um, the Lord is telling me to preach a different sermon. And so uh, kind of interesting times back then, but uh, he had this wad, I'm not kidding you, a wad of papers in a rubber band around him. And that's how he kept his sermons. Uh, I would, I would freak out if that's the only place. I mean, now we have the cloud and all these other things that they're kept in, but you'd undo that rubber band and he'd make a couple notes and he'd get up there and preach. And so we just, you know, I learned all these things. He mentored me. He led us. I'm forever indebted to him because one of the times I traveled with him, it was to Arizona and, um, he, I'm forever indebted because he introduced me to the glory land called In-N-Out Burger. And uh, we went to In-N-Out Burger. It's a true story. We went to In-N-Out Burger. We were meeting up with some of the staff at a church we were preaching at. And uh, we went to In-N-Out Burger. And then we saw a movie with the staff. And then when the movie was over, we went back to In-N-Out Burger and ate it again. <laughs> and so maybe not everything he taught me was great, but, but that was a good time. So one of the times we traveled, though, he taught me. He, he, said, he said, hey, I really want you to get this. This will take you far in ministry. This will take you far in life. Um, this is just something so critical. And he began to talk to me about preserving what is precious, protecting what is precious. It also became very comical because this was around the time of Lord of the Rings. So some of your minds already went there, my precious. And, uh, and so he began to share some of these truths that I'm going to read to you. Uh, about there's this guarding, as I mentioned ago, if the scripture's saying, hey, your, the, your love for the Lord, your love for his kingdom and, and his work, it, it, just be careful in the end, it might grow cold. A mentality, an apathy, a complacency might start to get on you. Be careful that you don't let yourself get cold. You know, if you have like a hot meal, the reason that thing gets cold is because it's what? It's sat. The reason water goes from hot to colder is because it's just, it's, it's gotten cold. It stayed stuck. Now, scientific people could get really into it. The reason things get warm is because the sun comes in and the heat increases the thing. I'm not that smart, okay? But, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, we got, we got to keep things, you know, active and moving. And so there's this warning of don't let yourself get cold. There's this thing to protect. And so Jesus is telling a parable. I'm going to read to you here in a minute, kind of getting us to this point. But a parable is a made-up story. Jesus, as he was teaching, uh, he shared about 39 parables in three years in his teaching time. And so he'd gather people up, whether it was his disciples uh, or just other people listening. And he would tell a story to make an example. That would be what a parable is. And so we pick one up here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was then found, and it caused so much joy in that person's life that he arranged everything to make sure he could have it and keep it. 
Are you with me? That's us before we get saved. There's this treasure that's out there. And when you find your salvation, when you come to know God and you get your freedom, you're like, hey, I'm rearranging everything to keep this in my life. How many are with me? There was no apathy. There was no meh. Oh, that was kind of neat. Meh. Meh. No, he was like, this is unbelievable. I'm moving everything to make sure that this is a part of my life. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Verse 46, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all he had and bought it. This scripture, this parable is not about money. This scripture here is about heart and priority. Hey, I have found the most meaningful thing that I can have in my life Now I'm arranging everything to make sure that I keep it and protect it and preserve it and guard it. It's the precious thing. This pearl, this thing, my salvation, my walk with the Lord. It's what everything should revolve around. And if we're not careful, the culture, we're going to begin to look at it here, could kind of get into our life where we just fall into, meh. This pearl, this field, this thing that God's doing, meh. I got stuff going on, meh, meh, meh. You understand what I'm talking about? So we got to be careful. Uh, I shared last week that, you know, when you became a Christian, you didn't just like join a club that kind of matches your lifestyle. Yeah, I think we're Christians, you know, because it kind of mostly fits our lifestyle and our life values. No, when you became a Christian, you surrendered your life to a king in his kingdom. We talked about how it's an upside down kingdom, which means when you joined the kingdom of God, when you gave your heart to Christ, that means your value system changed. That means the things that you once cared about don't measure up to the things that matter to the kingdom. Are you with me? So I think we got to be careful that, that, hey, we got to make sure we're breaking out of this meh mentality and really protecting that which is precious. This meh generation kind of happens. This apathy generation happens. And I think it happens because so much is constantly pulling at us. You get kind of started on this thing and then something else pops up and you're like, well, how about that? And so I, I don't finish that and I get pulled over here to this. And so meh, I remember for me, you know, like even Netflix, you talk to somebody, you go, oh, did you, did you start that series? Oh, yeah, we, we, we started that show. You know, meh, we didn't really kind of finish it. We got going on something else. Maybe we should go back and finish. You have too many other things pulling you around. So you didn't finish. I thought about video games with my son right now. Uh, he said, Dad, can I get this video game? Okay, bud, you know, you can earn it. We'll do a few things, and then you can, you know, you can buy it. So he'll get this video game. Three weeks later, he's coming back to me. Dad, can I buy this other video game? And I'm like, well, did you beat the other game? Did you finish the other game? No, I didn't finish it. Meh, meh. I'm like, well, hold on a second. I grew up in a video game age. Well, you didn't go to the next game till you beat a game. Can I? Until Mario jumped on that last flag, it ain't over. You know what I'm saying? But they're in this, they got so many options. There's so many things they can move over to that, that nothing's precious. They don't finish anything. They don't accomplish anything. It's like, man, got all this other stuff that we can get to. I thought about CDs. Remember getting a CD? Now we got Spotify and Apple Music and all these things. And, you know, you can just put on these radio stations. They're always flipping through stuff. Man, back in the day... It wasn't all these options pulling us. Like, man, I kind of finished that. Oh, man, I know a little bit about. No, we couldn't wait for a CD to come out. Think about this. You actually used to know when a CD was going to be released. Like, like, oh, their album drops on. Now it's like, you know, it's a, it used to, was it Tuesday, right, guys? Like movies and yeah, Tuesdays, a CD would come out. This is a good day. Now they're just dropping all the time. You know, like Jonathan had two more albums come out while we were doing worship this morning. You know, it's like there's always just coming out. You know, and. Uh, 
But dude, a CD. I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. And so, man, we, we knew that that CD, my brother, he's two years younger than me. Man, we would go to the store at midnight and we'd be knocking on that back there. I know you got a case back there. Let's get these CDs going. And we would take those CDs and we would get right back into the car. And then for 45 minutes, we'd work on opening them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> CDs. Like you can't get them open. You're trying to tear them apart. <laughs> but you would get those things open. You put them in your CD player. And then the next thing you would do, which we've lost this to, is the book. You'd get the book out. Oh, you'd open up that book and you'd start reading the lyrics while the songs were playing. You'd see who helped write the song and put it together. And you're just like, oh, we're listening to music. And the crazy thing is you don't do this anymore because generation, they don't finish anything. They don't stick to anything. We listened to that music so passionately that then you learned the order of all the tracks. If I said, oh, the Before These Crowded Streets album, oh, yeah, track one is this, track seven is this, you would know all the things because you, it's not this meh, oh, we kind of fit. No, they, they were in it, and we were in it, and the meh mentality is like we're pulled all over the place. Maybe you grew up in a household uh, 20 years ago where there wasn't all this streaming TV, watch it whenever you want. You grew up in a household that at 4 p.m. in your home, you were going to hear somebody's voice, and her name was Oprah. <laughs> Four o'clock, Oprah's going to be on, and it's going to happen in your house. And now you stream it whenever you want. You do this kind of stuff. And there's so many options. You know, manufacturers tell you that they are literally creating product disposable. Your lawnmowers. Back in the day, you're like, this lawnmower was my great-great-grandpa's, and this thing could last for 70 years, this mower forever and ever and ever. Now it's like five, six years, you're throwing these mowers back out. These big box things. Furniture is another one. And back in the day, oh, this is my great granny's table and it's been in the family for all this kind of stuff. Now we just want Ikea stuff to make it to the end of the year, right? Like if we, hey, we had this last Christmas, what a miracle. It made it a fixtures, you know, you're buying stuff on Amazon and putting it up and it's junk and it's not going to last long. Because literally manufacturers have come to understand that people are constantly not finishing and not sticking with. They say statistically... Uh, we've never moved. Uh, we, we, we get new cars, new homes, new jobs. We're transitioning in all of those faster than we ever have. We stay less in those areas. Think about the rise of, you might have heard this, people saying like, ah, we're not sure if we're ever going to get married. We're together, but we're not sure if we're ever going to get married because just the long-term commitment of even marriage is like, meh, meh, we'll see how it goes mentality. Because there is this erosion of this stickability, this following through, this keeping things precious. And I believe it's important for us as a culture to not let that get into the church. Are you with me? Everything's disposable and none of it really matters. No, we're building the kingdom of God. The scripture says we're co-laborers with Christ. There needs to be some kind of stickability to it. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 7 verse 6 says this. Do not give what is holy, or one translation says sacred, to the dogs. Nor cast your pearls before pigs. They trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. One translation says if you do that, both will be lost. There's just this destruction that comes when we take something precious and we just put it before something that doesn't matter. You know, Jess and I have this conversation all the time. We say, I don't know if we should do that. I feel like that's putting our pearls before swine. I feel like that's going to be a waste of our time. I feel like that's just a distraction. We got to, we got to guard our family time. We got to guard our, and we, we make all these decisions about, hey, we got to be careful. It's not that you're trying to be better than somebody else. Oh, I'm not going to go over there. That's a pig thing. We're not talking about being better than anybody. It's saying, hey, we've got this thing to guard. Amen. 
And it's this kingdom and it's this work and it's what God's building in our families and in our hearts and in our communities. And we got to guard. We can't just throw them because the scripture says they'll both be trampled. They'll both be in ruin. And, and my wonder is, are we throwing our pearls to the pigs of entertainment, of money, of busyness, of trying to keep up with the Joneses, of our kids' sports? You got all this stuff going on. People say, oh, I wish I could serve. Oh, I wish God would use me in a great way. Oh, I wish I could do this. But I got all these other things over here. And then you get to the end of the year and you look back on it and you go, man, where did it all go? It all feels trampled. It's because we cast our precious thing before the swines and it is trampled and it was both lost in busyness and keeping up with the Joneses and all these things. And back to what my mentor said, we got to work hard at protecting in guarding what is valuable. Can I get an amen? Again, that's why scripture says in Revelation, it's not hot or cold. I I can't do the middle. You got to make up your mind. We all hate that feeling of a half-hearted relationship, right? You're you're in this relationship and you feel like that person's not giving as much as you are, or you're in a work relationship and you feel like that person's not giving as much as you are. And you go, we're we're not on the same page here. This is lukewarm. Or we really hate it when politicians flip-flop. I know that never happens, but they say one thing over here and then they say it over here and they're continuing to flip-flop. You're like, hey, will you just call it down the middle? Will you make up your mind and stick with a lane? Are you with me? It's uncomfortable being people who sit on the fence. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 says it this way. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. Now, this isn't kill and destroy, like end your life. This is the Garden of Eden kind of kill them. Where, remember when God said, hey, if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, you'll surely die. Now, they didn't surely die the minute they ate it. But what happened was their purpose, their ability, their, the, the plan, the path that God had them on died. And it's the same thing in our life. When we let our just simpleness, meh, whatever, come what may, just meh, I don't really care, meh, meh. There becomes a destruction to the plan that God is trying to put you on and use you in and walk you forward with. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Am I making sense today? I appreciate you guys. First service didn't like this sermon. They just started putting thumbs down. I hope people are still on Facebook today. But this is the dig deep stuff. You know, this is the dig deep stuff in our hearts where we're saying, hey, God, we, you know, when scripture says God is coming back for a pure and spotless bride, these are the ways that we, like David said, look, we got to let a man examine himself. Okay, Lord, am I, am I staying pure in the sense of like I'm pursuing you and I'm not letting the simple things of life pull me off the course? Proverbs 132 in the Passion Translation says it this way. <laughs> this is the Bible, not me, okay? <laughs> like an idiot, you've turned away. And you've chosen destruction instead. It says your self-satisfied smugness will kill you. Your self-satisfied smugness. I'm good. This is fine. It's good enough. Meh. Self-satisfied smugness. Ah, All I got is enough. I don't want to grow in God. I don't want to go further. I'm good enough with salvation and just going to heaven. But I don't want to be one of those church people that are trying to build the kingdom and make a difference and be used by God. I'm, I'm just good with my own little meh. It's not the way that God designed you to live. Can I get an amen? I thought about it this way. What if our songs reflected our actual pursuit of God? We got all these church songs that we come in here. You make me brave. You know, we're like, yeah, you make me brave. And the oceans, you call me out upon the, whatever, you know. And we got these big, you make me, God's going to use me in this big way. But what if they, what if our lyrics actually kind of matched our posture? 
our posture toward Christianity? What if it was like, keep me the same? <laughs> I want to be mild in your name. <laughs> Don't give me too much in this, right? What, I mean, it's good, right? I thought about it, actually, when Jonathan uh, had us, uh, when he stopped singing and we all sang as a congregation, and then I heard myself singing, because you hear yourself singing, and we hear you singing, too. <laughs> but then it reminded me how my voice is so much better than Jonathan's. <laughs> because we were at Dave Matthews this summer, me and Jonathan and Daniel, uh, we went out to Pine Knob in Detroit for a show, and, I, and it made me think of this point, because when I was with him there, we were both just giving it our best and singing so loud and getting crazy. And that's why I was reminded of how my voice is better than him because I, I heard it there. <laughs> but it's funny, it's funny how truly in our heart, we don't want meh. We don't want meh. Even today, when he dropped out and we all got to hear each other sing, that changed the atmosphere, didn't it? Because you said, wow, listen to each other. Look at us in unity. We're worshiping here. And, 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 and it was like, oh, look, guess what? This congregation right now, we're not doing meh. Yeah. We're doing something meaningful. Yeah. Like we're protecting the precious thing. We're all in unity. We're worshiping. Yeah. I thought about that concert. You know, that concert, uh, me and Daniel and Jonathan, you know, we're there and it's hot and it's summer and we're screaming and we're singing and it's three hours long and we're sweating on each other and spitting on each other. And we were slamming five-hour energies on the way. Like we were, we were going to do it. It's all a true story, right, Jonathan? That's true. That's true. I didn't say anything. Yeah, that's true. Except I don't think Daniel had a five-hour energy. He was a girl about it. But uh, And that's a true story, right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, oh, I mean, at the time of our life, we all lost our voice, and we all stunk and got back in the car. And on the whole way home for three hours... We talked about the show. Oh, and they did this and they did this. And it was the time of our life. And you know what was the, why it was the time of our life? Because we didn't go there and go, meh. You were wired for passion in pursuit. Are you with me? You're wired. That's why the enemy works so hard to create atmospheres within church and in serving and in our community where it just makes you go, meh. You ever wonder why it's so hard to come to church on Sunday morning? Everyone, why it's so hard to show up to that meeting or to that thing is because the enemy doesn't want you to get a passion. He doesn't want you to guard and protect that, that precious thing. Are you with me? Because neutral is not natural to God. There is no just, hey, sit in the middle. He's like, look, I, I need you in gear. I need you moving. That's why the scripture says we go from glory to glory. That's why we go from faith to faith. The scripture says that God is the God who can do exceedingly abundantly in the middle. No, more exceedingly, abundantly, above. He's a God who's saying we got to keep moving and growing in him. Paul writes it in Philippians 1.9. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Overflow is more. It's not apathy. That's not meh. More and more. And that you will keep growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. That's to protect what really matters, the pearl, the field. He said, I want you to really get it. And then he says this, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the end of the day or Christ returns. What is he saying? He's saying that's how you make sure you don't grow cold. You don't let yourself fall into meh and apathy. I know it's summer. I know we're supposed to go camping and scale back our serving and come to church a lot less, but don't let yourself grow cold. 
People say, well, it's summer. We're going to do family. And all of a sudden, you're 90 days. You're 100 days. You've only gone to church a couple times. You've only checked in with your community a couple times. And all of a sudden, you say, how did we get so cold? Because we we didn't protect and we didn't guard. Can I get an amen? Um, In parenting, you know, one of the hardest parts about parenting is watching your kids not live up to their potential in terms of obedience or something like that. You say, oh, man, buddy. You know so much better than this. Like, buddy, why'd you do that? You know so much better than that. But one of the greatest rewards is to see your kids get it in advance. And God's heart for you is like, come on, you're so capable. Come on, you can do this. Protect this thing. God wants to use you. He wants to see you live up to your potential. Can I get an amen? I'll close with this. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10 says this. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And how many know we're living in days of adversity? Every single time you turn something on or you hear something, it's kind of like whiplash. You're like, wait, what? I got to reread that again. You're like, what's happening over here? What's happening over here? All this stuff. There's so much adversity. There's so much swirling. The scripture says, if you faint in the day, your strength is small. So if we're living in adversity and you feel like you're fainting, you feel like you're about to trip and stumble, the scripture says your strength is small. Now, that's not very nice, Pastor Josh. At the end, you're going to hit me with like this hurtful scripture. Listen, the scripture's trying to say it this way. Sometimes you read a verse like that and you're like, oh no, am I one of the small strength people? If you're a Christ follower, it's okay that you're a small strength person. Because the scripture is, you're not supposed to be doing it in your own strength anyway. In the days of adversity, if your strength is small and you'll be taken out, if, it, if you're doing it in your own strength, what you need to understand is John, 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So in the time of adversity, your strength is not what you're working out of. You're working out of the strength of the Lord. You can protect and preserve and be used and go from glory to glory and faith to faith because it's God in you who's advancing you. Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you have great strength. You actually have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and on you. John chapter 16 verse 33 says, take heart or have confidence because I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. And so in the times of adversity, it's the strength that you're working out of, not your strength, his strength. Luke chapter one, verse 37 says, for no word from God will ever fail. So in these times of adversity, you go, you know what? I've got God's word working on my behalf. I've got these powerful principles and scriptures and I can protect this thing. And I know that none of these will come to fail. I love this in Romans 8, 37, for we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We're not meh people who just get by and kind of hope hope for the best. Not only are you a conqueror, which is a pretty good thing, you're more than that, the scripture says. So in the times of adversity, in the times of all of the things, we don't just kind of slip into this, meh, I guess whatever, I'm just trying to survive. No, no, you're more than a conqueror. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 And we say thanks to God because he gives us victory through Christ Jesus. You're already victorious through Christ. No reason to kind of walk around, man, I don't care that much. No, you walk in the power of all of these promises. Can I get amen? I wrote it down like this to close. If I believed all of these scriptures are true, 
then it would be impossible for me to live a meh life. If we believe all of these are true about our lives and about ourselves and about our purposes and our callings and our assignments for our family, then I believe you would work like crazy to protect these promises and these precious things on behalf of God and his kingdom. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your working. And God, right now in this room, every person represented, God, we ask that you break us out of the meh mentalities that may be trying to attach themselves to us or our family. Lord, even on behalf of those who aren't with us, we just break the chains of apathy and complacency. God, we say, give us that that passion to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. Even as we sit or watch or, or stream later, God, even right now, you're increasing that passion. Lord, you've made us more than conquerors. We got victory in you and your promises and your truth is that you've overcome this world. There is no adversity in this world that's strong enough to overcome you. So God, I pray that you give us again that passion and that boldness to run the race that you marked for us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.